Welcome to Reinventing Professionals, a podcast hosted by industry analyst Ari Kaplan, which shares ideas, guidance, and perspectives from market leaders shaping the next generation of legal and professional services. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with Tyrone Thomas, a vice president and deputy general counsel at Invenergy and the founder of Conversation for Six, a nonprofit organization focused on expanding ongoing discussions about food insecurity. Hi, Tyrone. How are you? Doing well, Ari. How are you? I'm doing really well. It's a privilege to speak with you. So tell us about your background and the genesis of Conversation for Six. I've been practicing now for a little over a decade. I grew up in West Philadelphia, single mother, two sisters, in a household that I would say was teetering just on the right side of the line of food security. My sisters and I never went hungry, but I know my mother definitely skipped meals herself to make sure that we always had enough. In that community, however, there were many people who were properly food insecure, had significant issues with making sure they had enough money for the fundamentals. That sort of rippled into the rest of their lives in ways that are fairly obvious. So hunger had always been something that was close to me. Growing up, you saw the charity of neighbors and community and churches and other organizations and providing meals for folks who couldn't afford three meals a day, seven days a week. That stuck with me. So flash forward, I went to New York for college. I graduated from Hunter College in New York City, moved to Illinois, University of Illinois College of Law, where I met my wife. And then after law school, I was in private practice and worked for three different firms in three different cities. I spent some time at the Washington, D.C. office of DLA Piper, primarily practicing real estate, though with a government contracts crossover, did a lot of GSA leasing, went to San Francisco and practiced at Hanson Bridget. Then ultimately, my wife and I settled back in Chicagoland, and I worked for a firm here in Chicago called Golden Ratner. After that, I transitioned in-house. Been with my current company, Invenergy, which is a global leader in sustainable energy solutions. Most people would think of us for building wind and solar and thermal facilities and battery storage facilities around the world, but primarily in the U.S. at utility scale. Been in my current company for about six and a half years. One of the interesting things about going in-house is there are myriad benefits, but you do lose oftentimes the infrastructure that a law firm had. One key component of that infrastructure is pro bono work. It is much harder when you're in-house to do pro bono work unless you have a dedicated legal operations function. And if you have a small legal group like we did when I joined, you don't have that type of a function. I continually sought out other boards to get involved in other ways to give back and continue the work that I was doing when I was in private practice. Really, as I got older, I just started to realize that I was spreading myself across too many causes to, in my mind, make a real impact. And I needed to narrow that focus. It was very obvious for me in the altruistic sphere of my life that that focus needed to be hunger. My wife and I always do work with different food banks and meal programs, also known as soup kitchens. We donate to every can drive that comes up. We donate money to a variety of organizations doing hunger work here and abroad. More recently, I've been working on the associate board of the Greater Chicago Food Depository, and then most recently just joined the board of directors of Beyond Hunger, which is my local food bank. In the midst of all of this, When I would talk to folks, I would say the uninitiated about what I was doing or talk to them about not just hunger, sometimes about other charitable endeavors. The thing that I kept seeing was people who felt like there was too high of a barrier to entry. There was too much background that they needed. There was too much information that they needed to brush up on in order to be conversant in a way 
that it seemed like the organizations they were targeting required. A lot of the materials, a lot of the articles, a lot of the press releases that come out of some of these organizations doing amazing work are littered with the alphabet soup of government agencies and government programs, a lot of heady academic concepts around let's hunger space, like food sovereignty, for example, which are key concepts which require explanation for people who are otherwise uninitiated. It struck me that if we could lower the barrier to entry for some people who, as of yet, have not considered dedicating a ton of time and resources to becoming fluent in this space, we could probably get more people to ultimately become really wed to this issue. And you could also capture certain folks who maybe never decide to go all in on hunger, but still could give or volunteer or otherwise evangelize the issue because they've gotten enough of an understanding. That's really where the idea for Conversation for Six was born. Can you share a bit about the mechanics of creating a nonprofit? The first element from the operational side, it's the same as creating any other small business. You're going to sit down and decide what type of entity you want it to be. This is an Illinois nonprofit corporation in my case. You're going to decide where you want its address to be, what you want its name to be, what you want the footprint to be. And in our case, we're not really shipping anything. We're not buying or selling anything. So the footprint is largely online. So you really just need the organization, a registered agent, and you need to file for your 501c3 tax exemption. I benefit from having done all of those things many times before in pro bono work. So form the organization here in Illinois as an Illinois nonprofit corporation, filed the 501c3 application with the Internal Revenue Service, filling out the information around the organization, set up an address in our private mailbox, as they call it, for the organization here in Chicagoland. And then set about really pulling together the content, thinking about, well, what is the organization going to do? In our case, it's advocacy, but it's really just the presentation of information and serving as a nexus for folks who need help or want to help to easily see where they can get that help and to understand the ins and outs of that help or those organizations that are providing help if these are people who want to assist. So I do some very simple advising with my business partner for some small food startups, how to get formed, how to set up your bank accounts, your registration, how to organize all of the back office things that a small business needs. So I knew some folks who were social media managers who had done some website building and was able to call on a couple of them to help me pull the site together. How do you balance your community-focused work and your legal practice? If I'm doing some advising or if we're talking about conversation for six, it's something that I structure from day one to be incredibly efficient and automate it to the extent that I can. So conversation for six, we have a handful of writers and an editor, all freelancers. I was really spending the time nights and weekends in the very beginning to set up a structure that does not require a ton of maintenance. So I am setting the tone for what's being written and I'm choosing the topics and giving some guidance there. Uh, Writers are choosing which of those topics they want to write about. Then the editor is taking an initial pass and doing much of the lifting. And then I'm coming in for tone and for final edits and then getting things online. If I am volunteering with another organization, it's a similar conversation where before I get involved, we have a frank conversation about the limits of not just my time, but the time I'm willing to give and how efficiently I can help the organization. 
the board of directors work is a little easier because everyone is a busy professional. So oftentimes the cadence of both the meetings and the follow-up is structured in a way that doesn't take a ton of your time. Most importantly, that doesn't require you to give the input at any particular time of day or the week. And that's critical for me. How does Conversation for Six differ from the other organizations in which you're involved, such as Beyond Hunger? We're not providing direct service to anyone. Really, there are a ton of organizations out there that are doing amazing work providing direct service to people who need it. And obviously providing a vessel for folks who want to help to support that direct service, either financially or through the resource of time or advocacy or otherwise. We're trying to steer more people who need to use those services to them or steer more people who could support those services to them. Really, we are in essence evangelizing the existing anti-hunger infrastructure. How do you select the content that you share to achieve those goals? I read a lot about hunger and hunger issues. And as you're doing that, there are bits and pieces that are popping out to you, things that are interesting, things that require unpacking. And for me, there's also this filter of, would this be something of interest for someone who is trying to learn more about this space? When those things come up, I basically dump my thoughts onto a living list of potential article topics. It's a great place for me to externalize the things that are popping around in my head that I'm seeing, that I'm reading, that I'm hearing about, either in my other work in the hunger space or just as I'm absorbing information that's out there in the ether. I dump all that onto this list. I link to any resources that I've come across. And then the writers get to go through this little abstract and decide, I'd like to write about this. I'd like to write about that. This is a bit much. Maybe we break this into a series of articles as opposed to one. How has the pandemic affected the hunger crisis? It's exacerbated the issue in a few ways. But I would say the top two ways that it has done is obviously it's increased the number of people who are food insecure. We have significant unemployment right now. We have a number of business owners, especially in the food industry, who are really unable to operate. We've got people upstream in that supply chain in the agricultural sector who also aren't able to operate in the way that they were. So we've got a lot of folks who are losing their livelihood and are unable to afford food. And we've got a lot of typical sources of food that are drying up because some of those farmers would have extra produce or other materials that they would donate sometimes and there'd be food recapture programs. The restaurants would do the same thing. They could obviously provide certain low cost meals to folks in certain programs for restaurants that work with food banks and meal programs and food pantries. But when the entire supply chain is disrupted, that's not possible. The second part is it actually squeezed the anti-hunger infrastructure on its own, which made it harder to help people. Grocery stores and restaurants are giving less than they used to to these programs because they are experiencing their own crunch. Then the other is staffing. I would say the staffing piece is one that goes underreported a ton. Beyond Hunger has a good budget, has good funders, and we have a small staff. But a lot of organizations trying to help the food insecure in their community are staffed fully by volunteers. And a lot of those volunteers are at advanced age. What that means is when the pandemic hit, those were the highest risk people and many of them had to stay home. So many of those food pantries just shuttered. There was no one to run them and they had a tiny, oftentimes low five figure budget and they couldn't hire anyone. So there are communities. I know of one in Gary, Indiana run by a coworker of mine. People in that community are probably more food insecure, especially a lot of these black and brown communities were the first people to be let go. 
when the last recession hit and probably are some of the first to be let go in this recession hit, they're much more susceptible to the virus. The food insecurity was already higher in those communities. And now the resources that were serving those communities are unavailable because of the actual health risk of the virus. It's been really rough for this industry because the virus has sort of caused problems on multiple fronts. How can the legal community positively impact food insecurity? Obviously, people can volunteer. More fundamentally, there's always giving money, and that's always going to be critical. But I think they can provide certain back office support for some of these organizations on a pro bono basis that is sorely needed. I cannot tell you how many organizations I've talked to, their eyes glisten when they hear you're an attorney because they have so many oftentimes simple questions then they have no one to ask them to. When you see certain law firms that have set up these pro bono clinics for startups, the work that they're doing is very simple work, but it has a measurable value for folks who don't know where to begin. So I would say partnering with some of these organizations or even some of the regional organizations, like here we have the Greater Chicago Food Depository, which supports about 700 member organizations including the food pantry Beyond Hunger that I'm on the board of, and they can pinpoint different areas of need. And the law firms and the partners and the associates would be surprised at how simple some of the issues are, some of the operational questions. Again, these are places that have full volunteer staff. When they run into certain issues that can easily be solved by you or I, they don't have the resources, don't know where to get them. And if they were just caught in the market, they'd be charged for it and they don't have the budget for it. What type of change are you ultimately hoping to create with Conversation for Six? Let me frame this by telling you about what I think are two potential archetypes that I really, really want to go after and that I feel like I've interacted with and I have heard of and that drove me to ultimately create this effort. One is someone who might need some help and they haven't taken advantage of a lot of the help that's out there because there can be a shame factor or a pride factor if you look at the other side of the coin. One is someone who might need some help. And maybe the only thing that they know of is a soup kitchen or a meal program or the food stamp program. They don't believe that those are the appropriate resources for them, whether they are or they aren't. I want that person to know that there are a variety of other things. There are no questions asked pantries that a variety of churches and other organizations do. There are subsidized farmers markets in certain communities that people can go to. There are extensions on the school breakfast program, the national school lunch program, the summer food service program that can help take the cost of the meals for the children in that household off of the parents' budget. There are a variety of ways that people can get help if they need it. And the site is designed to educate and there's a resource tab to push people towards that help. The other archetype is the person who wants to help and similarly doesn't really know much about it. You can get educated about some of the issues and you can decide whether you want to volunteer or you want to donate. Volunteering takes on many forms. It takes on legal advice. It takes on operational advice. It takes on business strategy. It takes on physically doing labor at the organization, which can be dicey right now with the coronavirus. And it takes on advocacy. Do you see lawyers creating more charitable initiatives as a result of the pandemic? I personally haven't seen it, but I hope with every fiber of my being that that is the case. Yes. We're all reading the same news. And the question is, what do you do when you see that story, when you see the aggregate of those stories? I always love reading that article, oftentimes in a Law 360 or something, about the law firm partner who saw about some particular injustice and decided to go represent some criminal defendant or some other person that was clearly being unfairly taken advantage of in our existing system and for good. 
I always love those stories because they come back to the same thing that I'm doing, where I'm reading, I'm absorbing this information and I'm seeing it and it is frustrating me. And I feel like there's something that I can do. This is Ari Kaplan speaking with Tyrone Thomas, a vice president and deputy general counsel at Invenergy and the founder of Conversation for Six, a nonprofit organization focused on expanding ongoing discussions about food insecurity. Tyrone, thank you so very much. Thank you for listening to the Reinventing Professionals podcast. Visit ReinventingProfessionals.com or AriKaplanAdvisors.com to learn more.